0: Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we apologize for the outdoors, but it had to come in because it's too hot. As we are talking on a dog day afternoon about dog day afternoon. But before we get started, how was your week?
1: It was very... I I had a, a really great weekend. Yeah. And my week has been so full. Yeah. There's just so much to do every single day. So it's just been, you know, it was fun. I went out for the weekend. I came back to a party. Yeah, uh, we um
0: we're recording the week after Labor Day or the right. week of Labor Day. It's a thousand degrees everywhere in California. Uh you were out of town for Monday or er, Saturday and Sunday, came back on Monday when we had a cookout and played games outside. This heat combined with a three-day weekend really makes uh, no day feel like a real day. I feel like I'm definitely not getting the things done that need getting done, but also I am, though. <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> so, you want to get started on this movie? Yes. We do. All right. So, yes. Apologies for the. But well, how was your
1: your, your sap- week? Was fine. Yeah. Okay. Good.
0: Um. So, apologies for the sound. We are recording this with our windows open because, as I say, it is 87 degrees today. Uh, we live on the second floor. There is no air conditioning. We're doing our very best. So, Just think of it as the theater of the mind. That's right. You can sit with us across from the freeway and next to a whole flock of pigeons. And if is, I is could honestly
1: life. share this this port with you, I would. Yes. It's delicious. It is really delicious. It's Golden, it's beautiful, it has a wonderful nose.
0: Snop, uh, snop, snop. It smells good, y'all. It smells yes, it good. does. <laughs> All right. So, Theater of the mind. Let us talk about Dog Day Afternoon, Afternoon? Mm-hmm. a 1975 American biopic or biopic?
1: I like biopic. It rhymes myopic. I
0: like biopic, too. Singular focus. I never said biopic until, like, the last two years, and now I think I say it to piss people off. I say Uh, Salmon
1: to piss people off.
0: And uh, this was written uh, by Frank Pearson based on the book... The Boys in the Bank by P. F. Kluge and Thomas Moore. Not that one. A different one. And it's a popular name. It is, and it is directed by Sydney Lumet. Not Sydney Lumet. <laughs> uh, and it stars uh, Al Pacino and John Cazal C- We never pronounce his name right. We are so sorry because we have much respect for Cazali. For him uh James Broderick, Charles Durning and uh Christopher Sarandon. And it's a it's a bank heist movie, y'all. It's a bank heist movie uh with a gay agenda.
1: Turns he, out it's we've seen Sydney Sydney Lumet's movies before. Yes. And I really enjoy his films because they tend to be very wound up and very intense. Mm. And um and this film is no exception. This is just about the most wound-up.
0: It is. It starts is. right away. Right. We're in it, and then it's a, you know, a two-hour sprint to the end. The, the period of time in the film is what? like eight hours, hours right. or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Um, oh, and I think I, I had read the what was on the poster, which I'm trying to blow up. The robbery should have taken 10 minutes. Four hours later, the bank was like a circus sideshow. Eight hours later, it was the hottest thing on live TV. Twelve hours later, it was history. And it's all true. It's not all true, everybody. but
1: (laughs) The relevant parts are true. The the parts that you don't think are true are true.
0: Yeah, although it turns out they're also sort of peripherally true. So Mm. this uh, movie stars um, Al Pacino as... Sunny in this film he is playing Sunny um Wurtzik is his name in the film in the actual uh experience his name was John and he and his friend Sal are uh, going to rob a bank they have a third friend as well but he bounces before anything Very early. even happens yes. so we've got a nervous al Pacino and a nervous John Cazale, who go into this uh, bank and take it hostage because they think that the cash deposit has happened, but that is not what has happened. What has happened is that they took the cash away and there is only $1,100 in the safe. And even in 1975, I would be pissed if I found out that my local bank only had $1,100 in the safe. Uh, that's not enough money for a bank to have. It's this is a Chase bank, right? <laughs> okay. And they were they were
1: expecting what twenty five or thirty or yes. something. and
0: in the actual, I did some research. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about some comparisons. One hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars. They want yes, that's what they wanted. Uh, what they actually got in the in the actual robbery was about thirty seven thousand in cash and one hundred seventy six thousand in travelers checks. So when they don't find cash in the safe, he does go have them go to each of the tellers' um, windows and pull any cash that isn't decoyed or mm-hmm. booby-trapped, which he does know because he has worked as a teller before. And the traveler's checks, and the traveler's checks are where it takes a turn because he also wants to burn the traveler's checks register so that all of them are quote-unquote good. Uh, but that starting a fire in a bank turns out is a whole issue and it draws the um, attention of a manager of a building across the street who is shoot away but doesn't go away and does call the cops and then the cops are involved and y'all, the cops fucked this whole thing up. Like I just want to say right now all the cops had to do was let these two walk out of that bank. They knew the car that they were going to get into there's a that that I think is the funniest part of this thing for me was when they were letting the third guy go because he just he's like I have a bad feeling about it I'm not I don't want to do this anymore I don't want to do it they're like okay let him out this is after they've locked themselves in and are armed and have locked themselves in this bank and he's they're like let him out let him out and he's like leave me the keys Pacino says leave me the keys and the guy's like well how am I gonna get home and they're like he's like we need the car. We're robbing a bank. Right, this is a getaway
1: car. <laughs> you no longer are getting away You need with to go
0: get on a bus, right. sir. Uh, that kid also appeared to be about 17. Yeah, he seemed he very, young. very young. The actor was very young. Now, let me be clear about this as well. Sal, the real Sal, mm-hmm. during the robbery, was 19 years old. Okay. Originally cast as a 19-year-old. Played here by 35-year-old John Cazale, Or, yeah. John? Did I get his name wrong? No, I didn't. no John. John. Who we, um, you'll recall, have seen in, uh, in The Deer together, Hunter. Together
1: yes. with Pacino and The Godfather.
0: Oh, and, the, yeah, that's right. They're in The Godfather. Yeah. But I was going to say he's also in The Deer Hunter. Mm. Uh, this is two years before he is diagnosed with cancer and four years before his death. Which makes a scene later in the film very poignant because he, he basically tells a, one of the tellers, you shouldn't smoke, uh, you, you'll get cancer. And it's like, oof. Like, right. coming at it from now, knowing what happens to him is bonkers. So, the uh, manager from across the street sees the smoke, calls the cops. The cops now then swarm the building. So now we have a situation where we have two armed men. I believe there are five women tellers. One of them is a very young Carol Kay. Right. The bank manager, who's a man, the unarmed security guard, who's a man, and these two armed robbers are barricaded inside of this bank at this point. And they do find a third, another woman in the bathroom so the, the, <laughs> to, to make the... the hostage numbers go up and the police, as I say, swarm the street. And so now they have really no choice but to take these people hostage and barricade themselves inside the bank. And that is what happens. This whole thing, this whole thing could have been mitigated by letting them walk out of that bank, get into a car and drive away. You could have tailed them. You could have you know, followed them through the streets till they were away from this downtown, I think they're in the Bronx, right? Um, No, Brooklyn. At first, Brooklyn Savings Bank is where this takes place. It's a Chase Manhattan, um, it was actually a Chase Manhattan um, bank. Uh, But they're in the middle of New York. Like, it looks like New York outside. And now there are hundreds. And they say there's like 800 police officers out here. For for what? Hey, every other criminal in New York. Right, exactly. This is is when you go on your crime spree. It's a
1: looting. This is like Gotham City logic, right? (laughs) It's it's wild.
0: And Sonny is not stupid. But he's not A criminal mastermind no um he is though the the brains and the bark and he says sal is the bite like don't cross him he wants and sal has said says at one point i'm not going back to prison Mm -hmm. kill me first like i'm not doing i no, i'm not doing it but he also says i will i will kill somebody i i'm on board with killing somebody um and in the movie, they kind of make it look like Sonny gives up Sal, which is not a thing that is true in the actual story. So I'm to be clear about that. Okay. so the security guard is having an attack he He trades him uh the there's a a line of dialogue opened between the police. Uh, who the police officer that's in charge is Charles Derning, so young, so young, right. <laughs> um, and he's trying to negotiate with Sonny. Sonny wants to get um, he wants a helicopter and a plane. They can't land a helicopter in the middle of Manhattan or oh. wherever they are, so they in they decide Brooklyn. they're going to get a, a a limousine. Right, and but there's these these constant parts where Sonny will go out into the street with the hostage or without, um, because there's now a bunch of media and, and onlookers and a good ton of cops. And so he's like kind of getting the the group on his side, like the the public on his side, really, he knows how to work a crowd. He does. He yells "Attica!" like he gets some right. yelling "Attica, Attica!" when all of the cops come. And he like any time a cop pulls a gun on him, he's like, "You're gonna just shoot me in the street like this?" Like, uh, Attica. <laughs> for those of you who are too young to know, was a prison uprising that it happened just before happened, this happened, right? Yeah.
1: And it ended with the police coming in in force, rather the the the, the um, authorities coming into force and just killing people left and yes, right. Yes, a
0: ton, like, what is it, 70-some? I don't know. A lot of uh, prisoners were killed. Um, and they were, I believe the the strike was over, like, terrible... Um, it was over the terrible conditions,
1: conditions. that were... Right, and like, the abuses done at the correctional facility. Uh, but in response, their idea was they revolted and yep. then they were just put down mercilessly. Put down, yeah. So there was already an inclination in the public. An mind.
0: anti-police sentiment. That, right yeah. Yeah, which he uses, and he knows there are cameras on him, so he's like, "Well, you're not going to shoot me in the street. I'm on live television. Like I'm smart enough to know we're not doing that." And he's right. Now they just put him on a two-minute delay, but you know, um, And they bring in at one: now, 43 point, men died.: OK. 33
1: inmates, and 10 correctional officers and employees. Okay. So they just went in guns blazing and killed 13 of their own people. Oh, Jesus. And 33 of the actual inmates. Cool, because it's not like COs have good jobs. Right. Um, So whatever the situation, I mean, he's able to play into that to get this anti-police sympathy going with the public.
0: Yes. So he's playing to that. He's demanding um, passage out. He says that they're going to go to Algiers, I think, at one point. This
1: is a guy who's watched a lot of old movies. I'm going, Algiers, like Pepe Lamoco, or Algiers. And
0: ironically, uh, the real Sonny, whose name was John, the day before had gone with his two accomplices to see the Godfather. Oh, how funny. And the note said... The note, the actual note that they handed to the manager said, this is an offer you can't refuse. Good Lord. I wonder how they felt about that. That's why, there's a, there's a documentary that I was going to try and watch this afternoon, but I mm-hmm. didn't get a chance to take a, take a look at it called The Dog, uh-huh. that centers largely around um, the, the character. Um, hold on, let me find his name. uh John Wojtowicz okay that's a that's a guess at a probably polish name that I may not have gotten right um and how he was sort of a petty criminal for a long time and you know came up poor went to the military um and he uh And then in the, well, in the military, he woke up one day to being, um, fellated (laughs) by another service member, which led him into same sex relationships. So he, he identified as a bisexual man, um, which comes into play here in a minute. And he met Sal, the real Sal at a gay bar who, and Sal, as I said, was like 19 years old at the time. Uh, and the reason that he wouldn't go back to prison is because he had been viciously sodomized by older, larger inmates at his previous during his uh, previous stint, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure about the real Sal's proclivities natural proclivities um as I say, he met the real John at a gay bar, but that doesn't mean that he was gay, and right. in this movie. His character explicitly keeps saying because they they keep calling them two homosexuals, two right, homosexual lovers. Who also has a constant presence in this yes, film. Yes, which the is why is he can go out the and time. incite right. the, the group and not well, get shot dead exactly. in front of this um, this bank. So he's like, you need to tell them that I'm not a homosexual. It's one homosexual. Um, so I don't know. As I say, the real. Uh, individuals' proclivities, natural proclivities, or what happened to him, uh, you know, and, and because you can be gay and be raped, right? Uh, but in the movie, his character explicitly says, I'm not a homosexual, I think it might have Stop been having them say an editorial. I'm a homosexual.
1: Because if you're representing your lead character as gay, and this is apparently the first time mm-hmm. that a major actor is playing like Al Pacino, right?
0: Bisexual in this case, is yes, playing,
1: uh. Queer character. Yeah, he's. I'll put it that way. Yeah, Um, and uh, which is so funny because that used to be that used to be an an insult, a a slur. Right. In my generation, it was an insult, and now it's like come full circle. And so I'm like, am I insulting? Am I right? right. Yeah. But um, so having him play that character, I think that you want to create as much sympathy for him as possible in his plight because his plight is really unusual. And so it might have been, we're going to lay off that part of the story because it's going to cloud the issue of what we're trying to get across. Right. And there is a really interesting message that Lumet and his writers are getting across about the identity in this film. I was really surprised by uh, how tastefully it was all done
0: surprisingly so um yes so let's talk about that actually so at the beginning we see a heavier set woman with two um the 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 opening of this film feels very much like it was a lot of um guerrilla filmmaking yeah a lot of Scenes from the street that were actually just scenes from the street, and among that is a heavier set woman with two children hustling down the street um, she comes back because she is his legal wife right um they have been separated and the, the that was true at the time to- in, in the actual or, uh, the actual case. in the actual case as well they had got they had gotten married in nineteen sixty seven they had had two children and were separated by nineteen sixty nine. Hmm. And then John met um hold on. Let me get all of the right names. I'm gonna use all of the right names. Uh John met Elizabeth Eden at the feet of San San Gennaro, uh which is a like a like a gay gathering, Uh and then had a public wedding ceremony in 1971. Which is, again, it was really, watching this film from the time it Mm -hmm. was in,
1: from the time it was made, was just startling. Yes. Like, how non-judgmental, how non... uh, It's not making a point about how... Because, generally, having grown up, in a period of time watching older films, you saw a lot of homosexuality being presented as People who are who can't control themselves, who have these right. urges, and they wind up living
0: in shame, right? And they're constantly shamed. Let, let me not happen. let me get into why because uh-huh. I said Elizabeth Eden because that is the chosen name of his wife, okay? Um, in this movie, that character is uh, the character name is Leon and is played by Chris Sarandon, um, masculine presenting at the time. He he, um, so I'm gonna say he because he uses he all the way through the time that we see them. Um, he is institute currently institutionalized and is brought to the scene um and 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 sat across the street to talk to Sonny uh, after trying to commit suicide after not being able to afford gender reaffirming or gender affirming surgery, okay? so, the impetus, the stated impetus at this time, both on the day of the actual incident and in this movie, is that, and, and it's not just this, but he, he talks about how everyone needs money and he can't get it any other way. He's, Sonny Al Pacino in this, in this movie is portrayed as just completely desperate to help the people that he cares about. And this is the only way he can do it. Okay? And, um, you know, we have these scenes, these very well-done scenes between Pacino and Sarandon, um, where, you know, Sarandon is despondent, He's in a ratty, as I said, a ratty bathrobe, because they literally went to the asylum and took him out. Right, the, the police did. The police did to um to try and get through to Sunny. and um, there's a there's it's clear that that. He or she, she did not know that he was going to do this, um, or, or his reasons. Uh, and uh, I think there's only what three scenes, yes. And they don't have him together, no, or, you know, we have to they're on the phone, they're
1: edited together. Um, yes, and it's very much like uh, this is all in a way an awful comparison, but it reminds me of Silence of the Lambs, yeah where we're cutting to Anthony Hopkins, cut to... um, Clarice. uh, Yes. Uh, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, and we're cutting back and forth a lot of times, and we don't see them the same tape. Yes. uh, Even though they're working together. Right. When I'm looking at this scene, it's like he's pulled in mostly, I believe, to kind of, at least I think, to sort of rattle... Yeah, like, we know who you are. Right, and the, there's a threat of exposing him, which later on happens.
0: And, and but it turns out, it's, and that's weird. Mm-hmm. That is a weird choice. Um, because these two were actually, like, gay rights, they were, they were gay, gay rights activists. Right. Both of them were, before this happened. Mm. When Stonewall happened, it really pushed the real John, into activism. Um, And so they were prominent gay activists. You're not surprising anybody. Mm. What he does say, though, because later there's a scene where he speaks to his ex-wife on the phone, and she's like, I don't know who you are, and this, that, and the other. And the way that they portray her in the film as being sort of overweight, and that's why he left... He he, John, like went on the record and was like, "We had separated her looks, her, you know, and nothing, none of that was yeah. why we were not together." And I didn't leave her for Elizabeth Leighton. We had been separated for two years at the time, so don't paint her in some sort of you couldn't keep your man or. Some I kind don't, of gross stereotype. I don't know the like the film that. actually does it that way. I think you actually wish that they hadn't even brought her
1: right into and he it. had a lot of Lamette, and again, I'm looking at like the yeah. art director, but, right? So he might have less control to this because, really, when you read about the making of this film, a lot of it was controlled by the producers, yes. who got the material, found the director, who actually acted as yeah. producers do, and, yeah, um, back back when they did such a thing. Um, I mean, I wound up as a producer on a television program and all I did was write stuff. So right. it's like, you, know, you Yeah. The, the definition of a producer is very loose is what I mean to say. But um, what I appreciated is the fact that he never gives in and never makes apologies for what he is. Yeah. He is, he loves his wife and children.
0: Yeah.
1: Part at well, the same yeah, time. Yeah. And he, he still actively loves them, but not in the not, kind of way yeah. that he loves his partner. Right. Who he went to marry. Yeah. And Chris Sarandon, who is a really interesting actor. Yes. I mean, I've seen him play everything. He, he's played the vampire in the original Fright Night. He played Jesus in uh, The Day Christ Died. He was the evil prince in The Princess Bride. He's a very interesting actor. Oh, that's um, right. But he did. He does a great job I here... I forgot he was of, in the Princess Bride, that's right. ...of leaning into not a gay stereotype, but just he's exhausted, he looks exa- tired. he looks like somebody he looks who's medicated, been unmedicated, yeah. And he just doesn't have the energy to deal with this kind of live wire that Pacino is all the time. All the song. time,
0: and he is. And, and that, I think, is pretty... Um, a a through line from the actual person. Mm-hmm. So um I want to say real quickly about Eden um Elizabeth Eden the, the true Elizabeth Eden um so spoiler alert for the end of this movie they do not get away <laughs> and the John the real John Signed away the rights to this movie to his story for this movie, for seventy five hundred dollars, and that's what paid for uh, Eden's gender reassignment surgery. Mm -hmm. Uh, She went on to marry and divorce somebody else later because John went to prison, y'all. They stayed, they stayed in contact, um, and then Elizabeth Eden uh, died in the late eighties of AIDS-related m- pneumonia after receiving tainted blood in a blood transfusion. Like, yeah. not even the way that people would presume she would have, a trans woman in, the, in right. New York City would have died at the age of 41, but a blood transfusion after a car accident uh, infected her with HIV uh, and she died of AIDS-related m- pneumonia in, like, 1987. So that's terrible. Uh it's another yeah. statistic of why trans women's lifespans are so um criminally short right. in this in this country and all over the world, but especially in this country. Um so I just wanted to mention that. So uh because there's uh, so so back to the movie um he still is like well i i'm, I'm going to get away we can come you can come to algiers i'll send you money like all of this stuff <laughs> and, and chris Sarandon's like i can't, i what's out? Al- what's what's Al what are you talking about right, like, Exactly. I'm still confused still on the meds but also like what are you like the, yeah chris rand it is care- a it there are 800 right. police out here you're not, out getting, here. Out out of not here. getting out of this right uh, even my that old exhausted brain can see the fact that that is true um and then so they end up getting a limo Mm -hmm.
1: um
0: they uh maneuver in the middle of the clump of tellers up to the limousine there's a very funny bit of back and forth between the black limo driver who's like Oh, I saw you on the news, man, and you're doing great. And He's like, you're not coming with me. You're coming with me because you're a cop. And then the next time we come back to him, he is definitely a cop. He's wearing a very nice cop suit (laughs) after. Um, And they all get into the limo. They are, you know, uh, sort of ferried across Mm -hmm. to um, the airport where we have also been seeing Bus loads of cops being unloaded. Yes, the, the busload of cops. Just is, there's at least two. It's bus all, almost like a
1: form of, a of punctuation mark yes, in this just film. Just more busloads of cops. Just loads of these cops loads of, co- of uh, cops pouring out of buses, and you're you're thinking to yourself, why on earth do they need all of this? It was wild, but for two guys who and, are and the whole time I'm right, just like,
0: all of, all, of all of this is avoidable. All of this is avoidable. All of this is avoidable. All you had to do was let them go. Right. All you had to do was let them go. You could pick, pick them up later. They weren't pick going to take the any hostages. Them. You know who they are. Right. You know where they're going. Well, and the interesting. You, you would have gotten them away from all of uh-huh. these civilians. All of these cops wouldn't be in danger. These hostages wouldn't right. be. Like everything and that we went should, wrong. I mean, we should know, don't rob a bank.
1: The hostages <laughs> themselves.
0: The hostages. Or on their side of this right?
1: Because they're saying, well, they also know what the cops do to yep. people. And yeah. Attica um, had
0: just happened. Right. It's so,
1: a, they're very much, when they see what's going, and it's mostly women, the, the, the um, security guard that you mentioned yeah. has a diabetic seizure. He, yeah, early he on he's removed. He has asthma in real
0: life, and they let him go as a, right. as a sign of good faith. And then faith, the yeah. bank manager who's there's some really he's interesting the one who has diabetes i thought yeah because he's the big guy and he had diabetes the other one i think had asthma but yeah both of the men are and get up in distress none of the women all the women are like we're fine it's whatever we're smoking cigarettes even though you know john gazelle's saying don't do that you'll get cancer oh my God.
1: yeah i think that the two lead characters the bank teller the bank manager and the woman who manages the tellers.
0: Sylvia, played by P- Penelope Allen. They are, She's great.
1: Yeah, they are She's both wonderful. great because they both are looking at this as their responsibility, but then they wind up kind of taking a shine to the kidnapper because they can see that he would get away. I mean, it wouldn't be a huge loss it's to them or the bank. To
0: the ba- yeah, no. And it's they could insured. have very
1: easily have arrested them, as you're saying, off
0: site. However, you guys blew this whole thing up, and they're now, putting us in oh, danger yeah.
1: because they're being
0: incompetent. Yeah, because at one point they're like, "Why don't you come out, Sylvia?" And she's like, "These are my girls. I'm staying with them." Right. Like, I, the, I'm not. Uh, We're not the in The best danger. manager that it ever was, right? But, I should say, the um, the, the person that ends up driving them in the limousine is a. Very young, Lance Henriksen. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> playing Murphy. You're like, is that Lance Henri- Henriksen? I was like, no. I had seen yes, him a no. couple of times. His face looks very different, but also exactly the same. Right. He,
1: I've seen him a couple of times this young. He looks like an oldish young man. He has the same sort of harsh features. It's almost like when you're watching Charles Bronson. Willem Dafoe. Right. Willem, Willem Dafoe
0: in Platoon. I was like, you still have those craggy lines. They're right. just not like craggy yet.
1: Um, when we were watching Charles Bronson in the in um, not The Great Escape, but Magnificent Seven, we're still like, oh, yeah, he still looks like his face has been weathered yes. by the
0: nature. Yes. Uh, but he... Uh, yeah, but it's smoother. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's still very tan, like the color of leather, but it is smooth. <laughs> right.
1: And so he has one of those faces that's just you know going to look that age for a long time. There's a 40 or 50 year spread with his face. Yes. But...
0: Um, But yeah, and then what happens once they get into the airport? So, uh, they pull up, they do a quick check. Previously, I will say, in the film, they Mm -hmm. make it a specific thing where Durning basically says to Sonny on the phone, we'll take care of Sal. And there's a puzzled look on his face at that point. Right. Um, as they pull up into the airport, um, basically, a. uh, uh, an all clear is given and Murphy pulls out the gun that was hu- in, in the front of the limo and shoots Sal in the, f- in the head right. in the actual, um, during on the actual day, he was shot in the chest, but he was fatally killed right. or fa- fatally shot and killed by the police. Um, and then uh, Sonny slash John is taken into custody. Uh, and that's the end of the movie. Um, What ends up happening then is John is uh, sentenced to 20 years. He serves five. He goes back to jail a couple of times for parole violations um, after that. Right. Um, And then he ends up dying uh, at about the age of 60, um, basically broke. He couldn't get work. Yeah. Uh, His only work experience was being a bank teller and a security guard. And he now has a a federal armed robbery, right. which federal is important because um, at one point he stops talking to the cops. He wants to talk to the feds because bank robbery is a federal crime. The cops can't actually make any decisions or do anything because this is a federal crime that is being perpetrated. And I'm like, yes, by the New York City police right now, because this is they could have gone all, out. Yeah, the hostages. Right. Are the police's fault. Period. Yeah. In 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 your effort to save this bank and eleven hundred dollars, you have put literally thousands of people in harm's way, and especially the eight inside of that bank. Discuss that because there are
1: moments when the it's amazing at this point in our history. To see how how the crowd practiced or acted on their impulses towards the cops yeah, they're actually fighting yeah, with they the officers this, this is also before
0: point. the cops had the level of military grade industrial weaponry right. that they have today. but they also seem to still have um, if
1: not a conscience, at least an awareness of the fact that what it's going gonna, to look They were like. not
0: trying to shoot this thing. Right. This, these these people, they were. But none of them were, none of them were in body armor. Most of them were uniformed cops right. in uniform. They may have been wearing some Kevlar. I don't know that that was even a thing in 1972. Mm. These are just men at their jobs. That is who the cops in this right. are. They are not the military weapons that we have now where they're coming in full body armor with, you know, AK whatever, whatever, weapons, rifles, all of them. That's not what it is. There's pistols on their hips. Like that's it. Right. Um They're still there's presenting a, there's too many of
1: them. They're still presenting <laughs> a um a menace though. In yeah, because that because so you can't tell who's a plain clo- the plainclothes cops the and the cops actual in as well, yeah. officers in uniform. Yeah. It's like the plainclothes cops; you have no idea who they are. No. And there's a scene where the boyfriend of one of the women yes. in the hospital actually breaks through police lines and tackles. Yeah,
0: Maria's uh, boyfriend right. tackles Sonny.
1: And um, I love the uh, the response the Charles Durning's character is like, "Well, well, it's not our guy. It's one of those guys. You, you understand? They're Spanish, that whichever that." Yeah,
0: means. they're fiery, right? Right. So they're they're He's fiery. Able tempers. to lean into that stereotype. Yeah. To protect uh, his woman, I guess. But also, like, you let this man... Right, he just broke through a police line. There's no way a man... This is a man of color, this is a Latin man... Right. ...would be able to run across that many cops now... Yeah. ...and not be... Riddled. And then oh. another... Because there's a... Uh, I'm not saying it's better now. I'm not saying, let's go back to the right. old days. I'm saying... No.
1: Things are different, that's all. There's a very interesting kind of... Um, dynamic with Sonny and the crowd. How he gets them on his side, he he's cheering them, rallying them around Attica. Yeah, he comes the, out a couple of times right. to like pump up, know, the crowd. pump up the crowd. And and,
0: and um, at one point there's a gay contingency that right, comes exactly, out. Right, exactly, which
1: is what I wanted to talk about. When he's exposed as a gay man, yeah. then there's a kind of a sea change in the crowd. Yes, but there's still a crowd. There's still a crowd. And then there's, as you're saying, a
0: gay contingent that comes out. Yeah, with signs and banners. And, and there there are cross-dressing men. Right. Like there are men in, in drag. And that starts and a problem
1: clear. for the straight or whatever people in the crowd right. who are just suddenly like, yeah, oh, wait.
0: can't support the same people. Right. It's not like they're people or
1: whatever. And Ugh. so it's like there's some people who are still there for the spectacle and who are just Which like, Which is okay. wild.
0: Hey, guys, you know where I'm never going to be for the spectacle? Anywhere there are 800 cops. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. and the, the officers. In I mean, this I, case... you know what? I will go because I will stand between you and those mm-hmm. other cops. Maybe for well, my fate, my beautiful white face. <laughs> <laughs> they will well, thank over. you. This is why I have so many Caucasian friends. I will put my. I will put my. That is. I will be an accomplice, and I will put my body between you them. Well, thank you. I hope you never have to do that. Me too, but I no, will. <laughs> yeah,
1: if there's a there's a real. It reminds me in some ways of a, a film like The Anderson Tapes, which is also about a heist mm-hmm. that's completely foiled by the people who are being taken hostage because they just... The you just know the kidnappers can... are trying very hard to keep them alive, and at the same time, the people being kidnapped are actively working against the, hit, uh, the uh, kidnappers and get them all killed, basically. Almost all killed. And that film is really frustrating this to sounds, watch.
0: Yeah, like... It's making me itch. Yeah, like I just—that's—that is conflict I can't handle. That, that right sort of now. film is
1: making the first time I—I I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, um, but it's the first time I saw that film. I was going, "Oh my god!" Like, why are these kid that people such jerks? And I go, "Wait, they're being kidnapped." What am I saying? But in this film, there was a real feeling of how what was the blessing in the beginning? I've surrounded myself with a ring of people now, mm-hmm. and they're all going to protect me. Yep it turns on him the minute they find out that he's gay.
0: Yeah. Not and everybody. The,
1: and but, not everyone, but yeah. the fact also that the media is constantly, like there's no break given to the media for their part in this. No. They're completely blowing but it on of proportion. To be fair,
0: honestly, I'm grateful for the media to be there. Because right, of the because media they also stopped him from getting killed and Exactly, exactly.
1: And so it, it worked in his favor, and then when his gender, or, well, his sexuality came out, yeah. then it it suddenly starts to turn. Yeah. And you see it, for the most part, even Charles Durning's character is respectful of...
0: He's careful with Leon. Like, he... I don't know that he has any understanding, but he has empathy. Right. He definitely shows empathy. Like, Charles Durning's... he, He also owns up to the fact that they fucked up. Right. I was like, I'm going to need somebody in the police to go ahead and say that they did done fuck up because they did done fuck up. And they did say that. And they said it early. They didn't stop. They didn't backtrack. Because here's the thing. Once the fuck up happened and this police presence is there, that's it. You, whatever happens is because of that decision. You can't undo that and think, oh, it's fine. Just go ahead and go. Like, they're not going to do that you have put them in a position where they are i mean the police putting putting men in a position where there is no good choice mm-hmm. is like the whole of police like i always just think about what it must be like for a black man to be approached by a police officer mm. like there's nothing there's no right way to to there's not proceed a, with this interaction a,
1: and keep yourself safe. As a person of color, whichever color that is now, I can guess. Gold. Um, thank you. <laughs> Stay gold. Um, there's a, a kind of a weird relationship you have with police because you want to be able to have the same rights as everyone else. Mm-hmm. When we lived in Emeryville, we had this issue with people downstairs who were constantly partying and making noise all night mm-hmm. or whatever else and I would call and make a noise complaint and they literally would just hang up on me while I was calling.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm going... They would have done that to me as well. But the Emeryville police were also a lot like, right. well, what do you want us to do about it? Like, that was their response to anything. Yes, because that we, we,
1: at yeah. one point, uh, there was a bullet fired through my bedroom window.
0: Yeah. And, and to be fair, uh-huh. there's not really anything you can do about that, but don't say that to me. Right. Well, and I, I remember
1: taking a day off of work, and they show yes. up at 11.30 at night or something.
0: At 11.30, they said, "We'll be there tomorrow to pick it up. Right. And they did show up the next day. Like, it was, like, 14 hours after right. it happened or something. So I Some took the day off of
1: work, thing. and I'm waiting for the cop to show up, and it just never does. So there's this kind of way that you, this relationship you have with the cops, is very uneasy as a person of color. And you don't understand what their motivation is or if they see you as less because of Mm -hmm.
0: or a threat or at least somebody they can say they were threatened by right Exactly. even though they're wearing a full body armor and have several weapons and you are standing there in your pajama bottoms and whatever like i just i'm just like how are you so scared of this person in front of you Mm -hmm. i i just i don't get it like um i you know, was watching a terrible story um, that somebody had shared. He was a, a black professor, uh, and police came up to him while he was on his lunch break um, and said, we'd like you to come with us. They wanted him to get in the back of our police car. And he was like, if I get in that car, I'm going to die. Right, exactly. And what they wanted to do was drive his black body in the back of a police car by a white woman who had been robbed to see if he matched the description or was the person mm-hmm. she was looking for. Well, if you are a white woman who has just been attacked, I don't know the right. extent of the attack, and you see a black man already in a police car, that's a rap on him. Right. Well, and, I mean, and then but how do yeah. you refuse? There's a um, like it, there's because if you refuse, then it's are you resisting arrest? Well, am I under arrest? Well, you are now because you're resisting because they'll do that yes. shit, which is uh, um,
1: <laughs> the the case that comes to mind personally, yeah, is when we had a friend who
0: was in trouble
1: with an abusive
0: boyfriend.: Yes. Oh God, this, this is the time I did put my body between you and right. And I was uh, I was called in to help,
1: and so I'm getting her out of the situation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Boyfriend's there.
0: He's. We had called the police. Right. You and I had driven to her place. Right. He, she was there with him, uh-huh. and we had called the police on the way. Right. So you went in, and I stayed out. Right. So when the Berkeley Police Department, and I'm going to call them the fuck out, arrived, there was a woman and a man. And I said just so clearly, I was like, there is an, there's a, a woman in there, a, an Asian woman. There is a white man who is assaulting her. And there is a Latin man. That is her ex-husband. He is here to help the person who is doing the assaulting is the white man. I cannot be more clear. And I saw the, the, the man, mm-hmm. the, 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 the male cop sort of nod or whatever. And the woman was like, Hey, did you hear that? The white man is the aggressor. The white male is the aggressor. I heard mm-hmm. her reiterate that because she knows that mm-hmm. that in cop didn't, Take that piece of information in And put it where it needed to go In his fu- mm. fucking brain And I know they still fucking hassled you up
1: but there the, the first cop through the door was an older guy Who was uh,
0: I don't Russia's remember anything about him Other than a male staircase
1: cop. Opens the door and immediately runs over And starts feeling patting me down asking me if I have weapons And She came up the staircase after him Saying it's the white guy Mm-hmm and I'm like, it's and the white she guy had been
0: right? saying that. But I was standing at the mm. bottom of the stairs, not letting them go until I said right. that first. And then the other
1: officer showed up. We made a joke because he looked like The Rock. He was this enormous <laughs> Polynesian guy. Polynesian dude, yeah. And he's just like, hey, hey, Bill, it's, it's the white guy. It's the white guy. <laughs> right.
0: And I, yeah, I, I don't like. Referring to people by their race, like right. I, there are so but many more is... important things to, right. to know about a person. But all I could do over and over was the bad guy is the white guy. The white guy and is it's the one that's just dangerous. knowing
1: that. Even being told that repeatedly, like, that his still, first
0: instinct was, yeah. "It's me." There's three of them there, and, and I it's... said, and I said, mm-hmm. her ex-husband is unarmed. Right. I didn't know because she. He was in the house. I didn't know if he grabbed a knife. I didn't know right. what his armed status was. But you had just gone in there and I knew you didn't have any weapons on you. Mm-hmm. N- n- other than your own body, which was right. a weapon. But they don't fucking need to know about that. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. we'll. well, well. <laughs> we, that's, we keep that to ourselves. Uh, so That's a surprise. <laughs> like, so the police are one hundred percent at fault. Do I think you should rob a bank? No, I, I do actually, but right. wait, don't. I don't think that it's like caveat, don't put caveat. yourself into ha- don't put yourself in harm's, yeah. way. harm's way. Exactly. But the police, yes, it's prof- property crimes. Nobody should die over a property crime. Sorry, anybody's life is more valuable than that, and I don't know why it's in question. But but, I get off my little my tiny soapbox I won't I'll die up here but that's fine um, but the police all they had to do was what, have them come out and they could have been apprehended and it wouldn't have been a whole thing we wouldn't have gotten a movie but I mean it. the, the fault of mm. the New York and the NYPD if I was one of those hostages if I was Sylvia right who was sitting next to Sal when he got shot in the chest. I'm suing the NYPD. There's so many
1: times when they could have done this without putting anybody else at risk, and they did not.
0: And um, that's the other thing, that there is a the intimation with the cop, with Durning telling uh, mm. Sonny, we're, we'll take care of Sal. There is an intimation there that Sonny was... Knew what was going to yeah. happen and was okay with it. Now, if that's the case, if that would have been the case, it would have literally been Sonny realizing that they were not going to get out. Right. And Sal said he wanted to die before he went back to prison. Now, John, the real John, denies that he knew that they were going to do that. He denies that, that he had any idea that Sal was going to be killed. That he did not sell them out. He would not have done that. He did not want that. That is not what he had, the, the hoped for ending. Right, exactly. He, that he did not know it was going to happen, and he was as shocked as anybody else was at, the, at that moment. Uh, what this actual thing is. Right,
1: and that's probably why there's name changes and things like that. They yep. have to create a, a cohesive narrative. Yes. And, and, and I
0: mean like I said this sound is played by a man who is 15 years older right. than the act like this think about that this was a this was very close to a child this was mm-hmm. a 19 year old who had been violently assaulted in prison not of sound mind right, right? so the, the other um, what, what's true what isn't true um, in the movie, you see him say, um, if if I'm killed, right. um, the insurance money, and I'm like, if you're killed here, your insurance ain't paying out, but it's cute that you think it would, because <laughs> insurance just wants a reason not to pay, and this yes. is all kinds of a reason not to pay. They'd call it suicide by cop, and they wouldn't pay it out, probably, if I had to guess. Maybe I should work for an insurance company. I'd rather die. Um <laughs> That x amount of dollars seven hundred seven thousand five hundred I believe would go to uh, Leon mm-hmm. for the surgery, and the rest was going to his ex wife or his kids. I, right. I don't remember quite which. That didn't happen. The old, like as I said, the money that um, John made off of his, the selling his rights to the story for this film was seven hundred and I think $7,501, something like that. And 75 it was, it's it was a weird contractual thing. Mm-hmm. And, and most of that money went to Eden, Elizabeth Eden for her surgery, mm-hmm. for confirming surgery. Um, but about four years after John died, a very well known and well respected Village Voice reporter uh, came out and said, I knew them. Uh, John didn't want Eden to have the surgery he was it was a mafia plan he was in with the mafia and the whole thing was supposed to be a a, a quick pickup for a, some mafia family right and it just went wrong wow. now this is to, this is told after exactly. everybody has died. anybody
1: who can contradict or change the story right. or alter it or so, prove it differently you yeah. know
0: and then is this i mean i would say, let's let's now let's talk about the film as a whole is it thrilling i think so i it's, love a heist too it's
1: really okay this is an interesting kind of thrilling right? but and once a, again it's people were
0: one man literally did right. die so to call it thrilling so is a little it's dubious when we've talked about
1: how this list is interesting and it comprises a lot of different kinds of thrillers mm-hmm. And there's some things, films that are missing. I'm like, well, no, that film is wrong. But was it thrilling the same way that Goldfinger was thrilling, where it's
0: just like a, a yeah. rollercoaster ride? No, it's no. not. It's not set pieces. No. It's not what? chases. Even though there is sort of like a weird chase scene, mm-hmm. it, that's not the vibe. What
1: The film is, it um, succeeds at doing, is to turn up the, it's like it, there's thumb screws on you. Right? Yeah. And they just keep tightening.
0: Yeah. And it's it's interesting mm. also to watch it now with the way that I, I view police or we view right. police. I I know I view them differently than you, but we're on the oh, same side. I'm just side. a lot more severe than you um, are. The and I'm being pre- severe. Right. I just am doing it from a third person instead of a first person yeah. just because I, you know, I've never had a good experience with a cop, but I've never also been put in danger mm-hmm. by my proximity to a cop yet. Other than the fact that they are armed and angry, um, they. But to watch it now, like every time he comes out, I am so tense. Right. I'm just like they're gonna just kill. They're gonna mark you. They're gonna straight kill you. you. They had snipers up. Right. There was a there was a rogue shot in the back of at yeah. one point. Like it's it made me so nervous every time he went out because I'm like you're gonna die for eleven hundred dollars. Right. For eleven hundred dollars, like our, our our property to human life ratio is so skewed that, I, and that's what made me nervous. They wouldn't have been thinking that though, because like in nineteen seventy five, still close enough to Attica, you see how he is raising, and there's not a twenty second delay or a two minute delay the way that they can do it on the yes. news now. Like in our modern time. That that whole situation would have gone much differently. Yeah, I hope so. I, I mean, I hope it would have gone differently. I also mean, I would hope that they like... wouldn't have done the mistake in the first place, right. and they would have just followed him. They, especially now, just put a little bug on it on the vehicle. Right. That'll probably disable it. There's all kinds of that you can do now. Yeah. That gets him away from the hostages. Just the fact that you would force somebody into a hostage situation I think is so backwards. You have negotiators
1: now. There I wasn't was, an any...
0: That's true. They must not even have had hostages. negotiators. This might have been helpful
1: than set it up because it's... In
0: 1972, when right. this actually happened?
1: Because the issue that if somebody had actually... And the, Charles Durning's character. Charles he is, Durning...
0: He, he wasn't
1: there. Right. By the, the way, negotiation part. I always have to bring up, he was an infantry, the infantry division, and he landed at Omaha Beach. Oh, turning
0: himself? Yes, turning okay. himself. He was a remarkable man. He was a war hero. but. Um, and he's constantly yelling at people to back up. Right. Don't point your guns at him. Because uh, Sonny would come out and be like, why is he pointing his gun, gun at me? And I'm like, sir, you have taken several people hostage. Right, exactly. That is why they are putting their guns. I think at you. this is also
1: the part that brought Durning really this in deliverance, as we saw. Yeah. That, um, was it? No. no, wait, no. I'm sorry. He's okay. not in
0: deliverance.
1: No, he's not in deliverance. I was mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really came into his own here
0: mm-hmm.
1: as an actor, and and um, and I've always liked him. When he yeah. shows up, he's going to give his uh, the best performance, even if it's just a small part. Yeah. Uh but
0: yeah, I, I find the film thrilling. I think is Pacino it, is mm-hmm. fantastic right. in this. I think this might be for me my favorite Al Pacino performance. I haven't seen all of them. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a he's a this is before he's been hired to play Pacino. Right. Right? So that's helpful. That's not his fault. It's like the Christmas right. walk and trap. Um The ticks, the nervous energy that is coursing through his body in every second he is on screen, which yes. is almost ev- every second of this film. He's on the screen for 96% of it. Seems like it, yeah. Um, he is crackling with energy, and nervous energy that I don't associate with other Al Pacino performances. Yeah. I think he's so good. I do. The It's funny, the, the other thing that I saw was when he was, when John was described in the media. Right, exactly. It was, he is a, uh, he has the same broken-faced beauty as an Al Pacino or a Dustin Hoffman. And that broken-faced beauty, mm-hmm. I was like, I know what that is. That's an Adrian Brody, right? Like, 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 right? Like, there's a f- like. I know what that face type is, um, and and Pacino, obviously, you know, is the through line there, and and actually got the the role. Well, he, what's interesting is that
1: his uh, his agent was one of the producers of the film. Okay, and was trying <laughs> that to make money him. all the way right. as possible. I mean, as I said, producers. This is back in the day when producers actually bought the, the project, found the director right. for it, and here they really did find the director. The director, place, yes. Um, and the cast, but Pacino was like waltzing in and out of the performance. He didn't know if he could do it because, as he said later on, he didn't know if he could act for film. He was really acting on stage. He was very really busy acting on stage. He was Pacino? doing a lot of off-Broadway performances. At this
0: time? I mean, this is post-Godfather. Yeah, what? but he didn't want to go back to it. Oh, that's so funny to me, to think right. that Albertino could have just bounced and been a stage actor. Right, and he wanted to do that, and that's where
1: Jim Cazale is. Cazale, yeah. And that's where he knew him from, and then there some of the other actresses in this film, John, the actors yeah. in this film, yeah. came from stage performances. There were gotcha. people that he knew. But he, I think, backed out of it like two or three times. Wow. Before finally he's like, no, no,
0: I, I, I want to do this part. And He's. I think he's so good. I think he's. I think he's the best looking he's I've ever mm-hmm. seen him on screen. Like like right. attractiveness level. Even though he's a mess. Like this character is, a mess. There's, but there's a. There's a quality to him. There's like a him. righteousness right. to him.
1: And there's that's something that you find, that appeals to the, the woman in this bank. Yeah, Because there's one there who's just openly flirting with him, knowing, of course, all of the issues that he's having right now. Yes, like the fact that he's robbing a bank. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, And he's kind of like talking to her and chatting with her, and he's not being inappropriate. He's He's very much a people person. Right, he's a very personable person. Yeah. And so that whole scene where he's teaching her about how to, how to carry a rifle That's right, rifle how to throw. carry
0: the, the correct, the correct, he's handing his gun over right. to the hostages, and they are practice yes, practicing like military uh, rifle drills. Right, exactly they're having a fucking
1: sleepover.
0: Right, and that's kind of what... And once again, over $1,100 and Sal had to die. And I
1: think what the other issue is, is that maybe they felt, rightly or wrongly, that he wasn't a threat to them in a sexual way.
0: Yeah, that's very possible. And
1: so that once that was removed, that he's not going to hurt us that way. It's like, well, then he's just a guy who's back into a corner.
0: I don't know how prevalent the... This, I am speaking from a place of utter ignorance, so yeah. I will, I'm going to preface by saying that. I don't know how that every woman in that bank would have been scared of the possibility of sexual violence in 1972 mm-hmm. the way that they are now. Yeah. And I, not because they were less likely to be sexually violated, right. but because they were less likely to hear of the prevalence of sexual violence. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if if I understand that as a woman I have a twenty percent chance of being sexually assaulted, my that's much scarier than knowing two or three women that have been sexually assaulted out of all of the women that I know. You know, I'm not doing the math. Or maybe you never talk about you never heard anybody talk about it. So you might know five women, but you don't know that any of them have been. And so you don't know that there is this legitimate danger of lurking i don't i so i don't know that that um would have been a thing but i do think here's his personality like it right. was very clear he was not he didn't want to hurt anybody yeah and that's kind of he didn't what want comes to hurt across anybody. is that
1: he doesn't want to hurt anybody he doesn't in the very end he he just there's almost this look when he sees the hostages going they're being rescued. They're being sort of
0: so, yeah, pulled out of
1: the, out of the limo unquote. around Sal's body. And they're shaking hands with the police. There's just this sort of look of re- betrayal on his face that's hard to take. Yeah. It's like, oh, I thought we were friends. And you're going, you kidnap them, and you feel sympathy
0: for him at the same time. I yes, understand. Because I I, probably, I understand why he feels right. that way. I do, because it's... Because there is a righteousness right. to his actions, right? Once again. Mm-hmm. He's stealing money that is going to hurt nobody, really. Yeah, it's really not in his mind and in reality to help the people that he cares about. If if that is the if if his stated motives are the motives that he actually had, I think that he was seeing the people that he loved hurting. Mm -hmm. The only thing that could stop them hurting was money, and this is the only way he could get money. And this taking this money, as I say, Chase is insured. That money's coming out of the fake, made-up money that Chase has. It's not hurting anybody. He's not taking food out of kids' mouths. He's—it's not. Right. So that's why I, do, I say, everybody go rob a bank. <laughs> let's, let's do this, hell or high water time. That didn't work out well for them. So maybe not. Though that maybe that maybe not. <laughs> maybe not what I just said. But um, yeah. So, but he's so. He's so human in this in a way that I think a lot of, especially later, Al Pacino roles don't feel Well, again, like you said, Christopher Walken, anymore. and it goes back before It is, before and it's that. not their, right, it's, it goes they back. are now hired to be this John Wayne type. was hired to play John yeah. Wayne. right. And then. And which stopped being a person If you're lucky, time.
1: later on in life, when he's past being John mm-hmm. Wayne, he can do Rooster Cogburn. Yeah. And then you suddenly have, back, oh, right. now you're, this is a person now. Or I think the one that we saw a few weeks ago that surprised you was Laura. Yeah. When Vincent Price is not doing before, Vincent Price. Yeah, before
0: he was hired to do the when thing. he's doing his arch yeah.
1: eyebrow and his you know, It's like whenever I
0: see uh, Jessica Chastain, mm-hmm. and it's starting to not be true anymore. But for the first few years of Jessica Chastain's um, career, Elizabeth Banks is the same way. Mm-hmm. Every th- time I would see them, they were doing something completely different. Right. And it was so exciting for me because I'm like, they haven't just decided what she's going to be. Um, uh, Margot Robbie's doing it as well. Mm-hmm. They ha- Hollywood has not just decided this is the roles that you get to do.
1: Right.
0: And that's all you see her. And I feel like Jessica Chastain has, may- is maybe eased into the f- f- nice suit wearing badass. Mm-hmm. And she's that most of the time I now, think that which is disappointing. But if need she's getting that, paid, though. that's yeah, you know, I love the character. Right. But I like seeing her be able to right do Right now, all given kinds the amount of, of criticism that people. women are
1: getting for any part mm-hmm. where they expand outside yeah. of being the object of desire, yeah, homemaker, yeah. Whatever. Anytime that someone goes outside of that, they get now, I can't believe
0: that this is true. Really? You don't know any women. Right. Like the, the, well, the first time I saw her in uh, what was it, um, Mama? Mama, she's great. Just like, Mama, who the almost, hell is that? Who is it? Oh my almost, God! Almost, yeah. I right. she had black, like a black wig, like a short punk rock black wig. And she was playing a... And she was playing a like a punk right. girl in the yeah. band. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah And now she's Molly from Molly's Game in right. almost everything, which again, I love deeply. But I like to see her be able to do all kinds of different things. Because guess what? Women, we're all kinds of different people. Right. Turns out. <laughs> like, each
1: the one great of us is unique and special You won't be able to see some of the best performances probably will not be on film anymore. They'll be on television or they'll be on stage. That'll be all right. You and know I what think, I can do? Watch those things. Right. And I think <laughs> that... Um, That's the fault. That's the flaw with becoming popular and successful.
0: The the other side is Mm. there's going to be a collapse again um, of Hollywood because right now they're they're leaning so far into if the movie doesn't cost two hundred million and make one billion, we're not doing it. And there are so many stories to tell. And I think that the, the studios of an insistence of following capitalism to the ever-expanding profits mm-hmm. is going to fail because fundamentally people want to see stories right, about exactly. other people. Or so in my case, Godzilla. We'll people or Godzilla, that would be nice. <laughs> so, but Godzilla's getting the $200 million, right. billion-dollar treatment as well. Which like, is
1: just so strange, going with you and our other friend mm-hmm. to go see, like, the movies that were considered mm-hmm. kind of the, I mean, the first film was Literal always... Literal bees. Right. The first <laughs> film is always a classic. Yeah. And we'll see that one eventually uh, for the podcast, I hope. But some of the others, there's been an up and down quality, and some of them are real, genuine bee movies. But to think, oh, now this is what we're celebrating. Yeah. Along with all what we used to be called crap culture, comic books and
0: you yeah. know, all of that. It's Which, yeah, and it's um it's it's this it's late stage capitalism right. and um Jason Blum is doing it right. Yeah. Jason Blum, I still think, is giving his $5 million out to basically who the fuck ever wants it. Right. I mean, it's not that simple. I wish it was that simple, everybody, but it's not that simple. But he'll give you $5 million, and then he will uh, market that film, and then it will make $100 million. Right. Because he's choosing voices smartly, and even if he isn't, oh, yeah. he's invested $5 million in budget, Five million in marketing, which is probably low. Lowballing it's probably closer to like five and seven point five. Because marketing budgets, everybody, they're probably identical to production budgets these yes, days. Yes, it's not largely. And those production budgets are obscene. I mean, and where is this money going? Well, you don't see it on the screen like that's you what I just do. don't understand. Like you're spending a hundred right. million dollars to pay charter to pay Cox, to pay Sony, to pay yourself, to put your own trailers in your movie. like, Right. And it's just... it's n- None of the things that are economy are real money that have uh, any I'm, effect I'm gonna on I'm going to be interested
1: it. in... At some point on this list, we're watching Ben-Hur. Yes. Which has one of the most thrilling scenes in a film ever. The chariot race is amazing. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting seeing how you... Get to see an old school spectacle where yeah. those built are real extras. On the, yeah. Everything it's is good. there. They built an enormous, yeah. set. and you kind of got that with Goldfinger. Yes, you had these yes. huge, huge sets. sets.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: And you're like, oh my god, that that's a real set. That's an actual mm-hmm. three story set that was constructed
0: for this film. So yeah, but anyhow, yes, I enjoyed this one. I it's, thought it was quite. I thought right. it was so good. I thought, like I said, Al Pacino. That's my favorite Al Pacino performance. I cool. thought it was amazing. Um, yeah. So that is the Afternoon. Next week, we're going to be watching The Wild Bunch from 1969. Oh, okay. Is that a Western? It's a Western, and it's a
1: deconstructed Western, so it's... <sighs> Sam Peckinpah is a real, real... Peckinpah
0: is the director? Ooh, this I think it's my first Peckinpah direct, uh, thing, too. So that's exciting. Um, so yeah, we're going to watch that next week. And then the week after that, um, what we decided to do... Because that, that the week after that is a uh, Halloween uh-huh. from 1978, which we have already discussed. Mm. But we're going to do a little bumper. We're going to do a little intro, a little update, a little comparison, or like talking about how it it, it works in the list. Uh-huh. Um, And then we're just going to cut up the old episode and re-air it. So okay. it's going to be a fresh episode, but it's not going to be f- totally fresh content. But if you missed it the first time... You'll probably enjoy it this time. Yep. If you like us... It's us. We've matured as
1: people since then.
0: Well, it hasn't been that long, but yes. So we—that was, I believe, a season yeah, four. Not like banana in a bag full of apples. Does that or mean or is that vice versa? I think it might be vice versa. Avocado? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> so wild bunch and then Halloween and that closes okay. out September. Um, do you have in the meantime anything you would like to recommend?
1: I actually have a bunch of stuff to recommend, but I'm gonna. Bring it down to one thing. One thing. Um, Disney Plus is running a program called Light and Magic. Light and Magic. Light and Magic, which is a documentary directed by Lawrence Kasdan.
0: Oh, okay. Or Caston. Kasdan. Who we don't know now.
1: Directed um, the Big Chill. Yes. And one of the films that we enjoyed for this list, which was Body Heat. Yes. And. Um, <clears throat> He uh, co-wrote many of the Star Wars and Rage of the Lost Ark right. films.
0: And um, tons of other things. Right, tons
1: of other things. But Wars this, with this
0: a lot. yeah.
1: his association with George Lucas and Steven Oh, got Stair. you. That's right. Because Lucas. Right. Yeah. And this is about the birth of the special effects company that George Lucas started for Star Wars. Right. Industrial Light and Magic.
0: Uh, I used to want to work for ILM. ILM or Pixar. And
1: it's That's really, no from both. <laughs> it's a really fun documentary. When I was a kid and I was considering going into filmmaking and I had Harryhausen in my eyes. Um, this, I was getting Cinefix magazine. They had it at the, the local flea market. There was a guy who just sold it. And I get all these things about the making of Poltergeist and Rage of the Lost Ark and whatever. And I would just see these people working all the time. So much so that when I saw Phil Tippett, uh, shopping at the, the bookstore that we used to work at. I'm like, you're Phil he's like, Whoa. he's
0: looking at me like, why do you know that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't.
1: Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a person <laughs> who
0: people recognize on the street. But, uh, and then, you know, like I said. He doesn't have beautiful Rick Baker hair. No. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I, I've
1: never met him. He, he, he has hair on the sides. So. Okay. Um, But... I, we started talking about films and about movies, and it, it was an interesting experience talking to him in, in person and then realizing that he was part of this whole sphere that I wanted to be a part of when I was younger. And watching this documentary, it takes me back then because these, these guys really were, they were put together, basically Lucas put Dykstra in charge, and then John Dykstra does this, um, develops amazing technology, but he's not a really great manager or supervisor, so they kind of work and in, in the sort of balance to make this first film and then realize, oh my God, there's going to be a sequel. Wait, there's, we want to stay together as a group, too. And so they talk to these people who are, you know, on every film in the 80s, you saw their names, you saw Richard Edlund, you know, the boy who could fly, he's... A, you I saw, love the
0: boy who can fly that yes, movie. It makes me cry like this.
1: And <laughs> you saw Dennis Mirren, and he was doing Poltergeist, and you saw all these other people. And they mentioned, you know, it's like, well, I saw, you know, my formative experience was watching The Seventh Boy of Sinbad when I was a kid or watching King Kong on reruns. And I had so much in common with them that it was really, it's really fun to watch them. And even they play, in, in the course of the documentary, you get to see some of their home movies as well oh, that wow. they did. Um, and you think these, these guys at the time when George Lucas was making Star Wars, the idea of having a special effects department for a major studio was dying because mm-hmm. studios didn't, you know, they were mostly farming their work out to independent companies. So there were no big special effects houses. There were people like Harryhausen working independently right. or people like Doug Trumbull or, you know, the, the group that, um. Stanley Kubrick got together for 2001, yes. but there weren't the only people studio that seemed to have an actual special effects department left was Disney at the time. And um, and now it's like he's putting together something that's going extinct anyhow, and trying to put together the right group of people who can all work together, and watching the the kind of enthusiasm they had for just putting things together by the seat of their pants. They yeah. have no idea what they're doing.
0: Right. Well, because there's no rules for it. Right. There's, there's no not, rules for it. It's not like they didn't study. Mm-hmm. It's new. Nobody's written the books yet. They're right. writing the books. And there's some really funny stories that actually
1: gave me a little more respect again for George Lucas, yeah. who um, was really good at just sort of provoking them to can we do this? Can we do this? And Dennis Bearden tells a story where he's like, um, we're doing the beginning of the Empire Strikes Back. and He wants a tauntaun running, an aerial view of one. And I was like, it can't be done. It can't be done. It can't be done. And George Lucas tells me, just think about it. And that's the name of that particular episode. He goes, and then I was thinking to myself, and I kind of woke up and, wait, we
0: can do that. And then he figures out a way to do it. Right, right. You just think about it. Right. Don't. don't. Which is an interesting management style, being that I've dealt with so many now at this point in my life. Yeah. Um, When you surround yourself with the right people, which you did, that is the best management style to have. Right. And because the idea, what, what you should always do, I think, in every mm-hmm. profession, uh, maybe because I'm one of these people, is hire good problem solvers. Well, that's when we talked about um,
1: Platoon, we talked about yeah. how Oliver Stone's gift is hiring yes, the right hiring cast hiring of the people. Right
0: people. And then just sort of letting them the That's that's why I think people have such a problem with micromanagement, right? right. Like, you hired me for a reason, right? Like, I had to fill out that application and I had to give you a resume and then I had to go through whatever interview process and Mm -hmm. you had me do all these tests or whatever. You hired me for a reason, right? I'm not just some schmo off the street. Right. Why do you not trust me to do the job for which you hired me? Like, and so, yeah. If you just had to hire whoever walked in first, fine, I would understand this management style, but otherwise why the fuck did we do all of that? Why we're dancing for so long for you to come back here and set me in a chair? Like, I showed yeah. you I know how to dance. Let me let yeah. me dance, goddammit. <laughs> I, I I
1: have to recommend this. I understand it's not for everybody. So it's called Light and Magic and No Light like and Disney Magic Plus. And Disney Plus, but if, for if people are interested in that side of filmmaking back when it was, and they it's really you're watching the progression of everything before it goes digital. When they're still making puppets, when they're still is
0: Harryhausen is there Harryhausen um, stuff in it? Uh, there's no Harryhausen stuff. They always they refer to him a lot. Refer the to time. him a lot, but not because um, he was never in that mix, right? No, Bernard? he was never in that mix.
1: Yeah. But uh, I remember Phil Tippett telling me that everyone, I mean, even sure. at their computer cubicle while they were making Jurassic Park, had a picture of Harryhausen that he signed. Like, they all went to the same convention. Helga. That's
0: amazing. So everyone had their own that. picture with him. But, See, uh, if that becomes the... If, like, 70% of people in your office have yeah. a picture of somebody, you need to build a statue or some right, sort exactly. of shrine so that they could, you know, touch it on the way in. Like, it's well, that was like the funny part, because... You have in a patron saint. At the end, when,
1: I first, when I, the first time I met Mr. Tippett, I shook his hand and I said, "Wait, is that the hand that shook Harryhausen's hand?" He's like, "Yes, I want to shake it again." And we laughed about that. It's yeah. like, "Oh, yeah, right. Like, let me let me get some of that. Let me get on. Get you didn't, shake,
0: didn't you get to shake Harryhausen's hand?"
1: I, I did not get to because the line was so long oh. when I went to go see him, and he was with Dennis Mira and who was another person in this documentary. Right. Uh, but yeah, for people who love technical stuff, there's not a lot of jargon to it. Yeah, but there's a lot of. You get a lot of the Pixar vibe came from these guys. Right. It's like they set not up a the,
0: not the creepy sex. No, 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 stuff, no, no. Setting <laughs> up a
1: setting up a water slide outside. Yeah. Uh, so that if they were having a mental like a block, everyone just
0: goes out and goes on the water slide. Yeah.
1: And they're staying there till twelve o'clock at night. Creatives
0: need different type. Well, these are also probably all people with various forms of neurodivergence. Mm-hmm. And they were allowed to work the way that they needed to. I'm also really glad that the women that work
1: there are included this time. This and time? This time, because in mean, some not. of those articles I used to read, they didn't really talk about them very much. But they're, they're typical here. male bullshit. Well, and again, that was 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Not that it's excused or something, but it's like now they're talking about No, the contribution it's just they like made.
0: people, like men who think that their houses just magically run right there they they don't see the the work that women do right okay (laughs) that's true so (laughs) just
1: do you have something that you're gonna recommend
0: i mean that seems like such a good recommendation and (laughs) also i haven't really watched anything you know i'll recommend diving back into something you haven't seen in a while to give it a second shot so Stephanie uh, and you were watching American Horror Story, and I bowed out of that a few seasons ago. Mm-hmm. It just got to be so much. Right. It is extra. It's just the definition of it extra. It's a lot. And I, we watched 911, mm-hmm. which is another Ryan Murphy joint. Um, And I, I appreciate what he does, but it is just, it's turned up to an 11 right? on a thing that I only want to be at like a six and a half. So I just was like, it's not for me. And I. I bowed out. I appreciated some of the early stuff. Whatever. It's fine. She was watching this last season, Uh season 10, and after episode six of season 10, it's a different thing. Right. So this last season, I guess they finally learned in the 10th season, hey, if you don't have 10 episodes, don't try and fucking pad out with nonsense, Mm -hmm. two episodes worth of shit or whatever. So in this season, six episodes were called Red Tide and four episodes were called um it was like something like the desert of uh, yeah uh, the, the, the death valley mm-hmm. something it's vampires and aliens i watched the four episodes at the back end which were the, it was the alien plot right. which is in in it takes place historically with Dwight Eisenhower and Nixon and JFK, actual characters in the show, and Mamie Eisenhower in the show, right. played by actors you've seen before, and then with a modern component, and, that, and it brings those two things together, and it is an alien, abdu- alien abduction, alien um, uh, invasion it's, it's situation. It's tied together every conspiracy theory it, a lot that you've ever theories, heard, yeah. including, I
1: thought, but the funniest thing about Henry Kissinger, it's like, Huh? That one? Because there was a there. There are moments when I have issues with.
0: I didn't catch that that was characters. Henry Kissinger. I the right. I know what you're talking about, but I didn't catch that. I, I they said Henry and I could I didn't put it together. Right. That is being funny that that was Henry Kissinger. So I just didn't I didn't get it until right then, now. Maybe. Is like Lady oh, Sarah and is she just, mwah, yeah. chef's fucking kiss. She, but she, I mean, she always is. Right, fucking she, real. she
1: gives the, her most, her utmost to, to this all the time. But so yeah, yeah, she is a
0: right bitch. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> I um I saw the the Red Tide was actually interesting to me because it's it's a really interesting. um it's, and this is, it, it, I think what got my interest is that it happened the same week that I submitted a story and got a really uh, good kind of review from the publisher.
0: Right. I know um, Stephanie said I should watch Red Tide too. She thinks I would like it. And so if it's not and I think it helps that I know it's six episodes. It's not ten episodes four of which are sort of tangentially related. Yeah. Especially that first
1: season. It's like wait what is this
0: character? Oh this has nothing to do with the rest of it. Nothing to do um, with the rest of it. Or they mm -hmm. they tease like it will and then there are aliens in the Asylum one and that shit never comes back. And then I was like are we going to bring back the aliens in this thing? No they didn't. They fucking didn't. So it's still wasn't but uh, there's also some interesting things in the alien the the death Mm -hmm. valley uh series about um uh the meaning of motherhood right it's it's interesting yeah it's again we have to warn people it's not for everybody it is uh gross yes there is violence it is almost surrealist Mm in its uh tendencies, especially with people playing actual historical figures. Right. So as long as you don't take it as real history. Yeah. No. Don't do that. Because that's always been a I mean, that's a please sort of a sticky thing. god, for me. don't do that. It's not alternative facts out here. Um so yeah. so yeah, so the, so go back and visit something that you um that you may have left and haven't been to in a while, or just watch American Horror Story the, this I, last
1: season. I did the same thing. I yeah. was, that's the other thing I was going to recommend. But yeah. I'm going to watch a little bit more of it. But Woo Warriors. Oh yeah. I was like, why did I stop watching this? I remember that we stopped it to watch it with our roommate because it's about. That's right. A it's cook. Here.
0: Yes, a cook in San Francisco. All right. That's so it's, it's Nico, show, right? like
1: sure. Yeah, yeah it's Nico, and and he's amazing. And I'm like, oh god. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm bummed really out. To watching yeah. That. But yeah, it's on Netflix too. But. Let's yeah. Okay. That.
0: So, so that's everything. everything. Next week, the Wild Bunch. It gets Un- pretty wild. Until then, if you have questions or comments or concerns, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook by searching latecomerspodcast Podcast in the search bar. Um, I would like to remind you to please take your medicine. And we would like to remind you that Better late the than never.